Do you know that certain peptides can benefit those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's? If you want to learn more about how peptides can help with thyroid autoimmunity and other chronic conditions, then you'll want to check out the brand new Peptide Summit hosted by Dr. Jenny Flagar. In fact, peptides play a huge role in helping Dr. Jenny overcome her Hashimoto's condition. To register for the free Peptide Summit, visit SayMyThyroid.com forward slash peptides. Hey, this is Dr. Eric, and in this episode, I'll be talking about goiters, including some of the common reasons why people develop a goiter and what you can do to shrink a goiter. And so let's go ahead and get started. Welcome to the Save My Thyroid podcast, hosted by Dr. Eric Osansky. To stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics, visit SaveMyThyroid.com. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. Now let's head to the show. Welcome back to the Save My Thyroid podcast. This is Dr. Eric Osansky, and in this episode, I'm going to discuss whether or not you could shrink a goiter. So I want to start off by mentioning that when I dealt with Graves' disease, I had a mild goiter. Definitely wasn't a a large goiter, but it was a mild goiter. And when I swallowed certain things, specifically fish oil capsules, capsules would get lodged, not all the time, but sometimes they would get lodged in my throat. So it it wasn't a real big goiter, at least not noticeably big, but it did cause some problems. And fortunately, that did resolve once my hyperthyroidism resolved. So it definitely is possible to shrink a goiter, but it depends on the cause and it depends on the severity of the goiter. Let's go ahead and discuss some of the common causes of a goiter. So thyroid hormone imbalance, of course, can cause a goiter. People with hyperthyroidism can get a goiter, as well as those with hypothyroidism. And then insulin resistance, problems with estrogen metabolism. These are also potential causes of thyroid nodules, which I'll discuss in a different episode. There's also a physiological goiter, which you could develop during puberty or pregnancy, Also, iodine deficiency. So a lot of controversy with iodine, but if someone has an iodine deficiency, that can also lead to a goiter. And then, so there's some controversy with goitrogens. So goitrogens are agents or foods that can inhibit thyroid production, thyroid activity. And so when it comes to goitrogen, some of the more common goitrogenic foods include the cruciferous vegetables. And that includes broccoli, cabbage, kale, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower. And in my experience, these very rarely inhibit thyroid activity. In fact, a number of years ago, in some of my pregnant women, when when dealing with pregnant women, one of the big dilemmas is that they are looking to naturally manage the hyperthyroid symptoms. And this becomes challenging because you're not supposed to take agents such as bugleweed during pregnancy and L-carnitine in higher doses has antithyroid properties, but there's no research showing that taking two to 4,000 milligrams or two to four grams of L-carnitine is safe during pregnancy. What I did is when some of my hyperthyroid patients, I encourage them to eat larger amounts of cruciferous vegetables to see if that can help lower the thyroid hormone levels. And it really didn't help. And and it was raw vegetables because when you cook the vegetables, that could decrease the goitrogenic property. So I encourage them to have some 
larger amounts of raw goitrogenic vegetables or so-called goitrogenic vegetables. Again, I don't see any problem with eating cruciferous vegetables. And for those with hyperthyroidism, I don't see eating cruciferous vegetables as a way of managing a hyperthyroidism. And also soy, soy is a goitrogen as well. And then there's also certain medications that could also be goitrogenic. So I did want to bring up that it is possible, but don't see it too much, too frequently when it comes to cruciferous vegetables. Radiation exposure, another potential cause of a goiter and TSH release from pituitary gland. So a high TSH, regardless of the cause. Now it could be hypothyroidism. That is a common cause. I see this a lot with people with hypothyroidism, Hashimoto's have a, having an elevated TSH. And that doesn't always lead to a goiter, but it can lead to a goiter. But then if someone has a pituitary problem, that's causing a TSH release. That could also cause a goiter just autoimmunity. Again, this is according to the research, but not just necessarily thyroid autoimmunity, but potentially other autoimmune conditions, but definitely more common in thyroid autoimmunity, such as Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. And then again, according to the research, certain infections can also lead to a goiter. Obviously, the goal is to try to avoid surgery whenever possible, but I still want to discuss when is surgery necessary? Because if someone has a real large goiter, surgery might be the best option. Again, I'm not saying everybody with a large goiter should get thyroid surgery, but it's important to mention that very large goiters are unlikely to decrease their original size. So they might decrease, but if someone has a real large goiter, it's probably not going to get 100% to normal. And some people might be fine with that. For some people, it might not be fine and they might decide to, to get surgery. So if the goiter is very large and if it's causing any type of obstruction, then surgery might be necessary. And another situation when surgery probably should be considered is when there's a malignancy. If someone has thyroid cancer, then it should at least be considered. But of course, many people with thyroid cancer end up getting thyroid surgery. So if someone has a very large goiter with no obstruction and cancer isn't suspected, then in my opinion, they might as well try to address the cause of the goiter. With that being said, let's go ahead and discuss how to shrink a goiter. Of course, you want to address the cause of the problem. And if the cause of the problem is high or low thyroid hormone levels, then you'll want to do everything you can to balance the thyroid hormone levels. This might involve taking, initially, if someone has hyperthyroidism, you might take antithyroid medication, and if you have hypothyroidism, you might take thyroid hormone replacements. But while doing this, you also want to address the cause of the problem, not just rely on the antithyroid medication. And in the case of hypothyroidism, Hashimoto, some people do have to take thyroid hormone replacement on a long-term basis, but you still want to try to address the cause of the problem. Inflammation can be a factor. So you want to do things to reduce inflammation. And you want to determine if insulin resistance or estrogen metabolism or both of these are potential problems. And if so, of course, you want to address these. And then again, consider an iodine deficiency. So iodine, I mentioned earlier, very controversial. I actually had a pretty good experience with iodine years ago, but not everybody does. So it's not something that where I encourage everybody to to take iodine. And even for some people, when they have a deficiency, they might not do well with iodines. So again, I'm saying consider an iodine deficiency, but you also want to be cautious and probably would want to work with a practitioner. 
Now, a lot of people over the years have asked whether essential oils can help just in general with thyroid health, but I've also had a number of people ask, can it help when I have a goiter? Can it help to, to shrink the enlarged thyroid, the thyroid swelling? It really does depend on the person. There are people who have received great benefits from rubbing essential oils, such as myrrh and frankincense specifically. Um, there's other essential oils too, but but these are really um, great essential oils And when it comes to thyroid health. And they don't necessarily directly affect the thyroid gland, but they play a big role in reducing inflammation. So there are people who have used essential oils such as myrrh and frankincense as well as others and rubbed these essential oils on the thyroid gland and saw great benefits. But there also have been people who didn't see any benefits when using these. I need to also mention that essential oils are very concentrated. And so you would only need to use one or two drops of each essential oil. So if you're using, let's say, myrrh and frankincense, you would use one or two drops of myrrh, one or two drops of frankincense. And then you would want to dilute them with the carrier oil, such as fractionated coconut oil. So you would not want to directly put any essential oils on your thyroid gland or really on any area of your body. So essential oils may be something to consider, but ultimately you want to address the cause of the problem. So essential oils might help by reducing inflammation, but you want to also address the cause of inflammation. And in the case when someone has a thyroid hormone imbalance, especially Graves disease or Hashimoto's, again, these are autoimmune conditions. So using essential oils probably is not going to address the autoimmune component. So you probably will need to do other things to shrink the goiter. And if someone has a non-autoimmune condition, again, essential oils might still help. But still, if someone has toxic multinodular goiter, two common causes are problems with estrogen metabolism and insulin resistance. So these will need to be addressed. And it could take time. It it definitely isn't something where a few days and and most of the time, not even a few weeks, you're going to see significant changes. So you do need to give it time and probably is a good idea to work with a practitioner to help with the shrinking of the goiter. And that is all I want to discuss in this episode Hope you found it valuable, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Save My Thyroid podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you hit subscribe to stay up to date on the latest thyroid health-related topics. And if you enjoyed this episode, please consider leaving a review. Thank you so much for tuning in. I want to let you know about a product called Hepatomune Supreme, which is a unique supplement that has a rare combination of N-acetylcysteine, also known as NAC, milk thistle, and schisandra to support the liver. And it also has a few mushrooms that can help support the immune system, including cordyceps, which has both immune modulating and adaptogenic properties and is great for those with Graves' disease and Hashimoto's. To learn more about Hepatomune Supreme, visit SaveMyThyroid.com forward slash liver support.